passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is rewind a raw Royal Rumble week begins. I am John Pollock, joined as always by the man himself, Wei Ting, on this Monday evening. How are you, Wei? I'm doing well. How are you, John? I'm doing uh, doing spectacular. Doing wonderful. <laughs> What'd you yeah, get up to this you? weekend? Did you? Uh, I kind of just laid low. It's kind of a quiet you? weekend, you know. Decided to put my phone down for yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, just, just, uh, enjoy, just enjoy enjoy the yeah enjoy the outdoors. You know what I mean. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to much myself, you know. How about you? How was your weekend? I I went to the UFC event on Saturday night. It was mm-hmm. the UFC 297. We have two new champions oh. in Adricus Duplessis and Raquel Pennington, winning the vacant bantamweight championship. Mm-hmm. Very long night at uh, the Scotia Bank Center, Scotia Bank Arena, as I correct myself. And uh, there was a press conference afterwards. I stuck around for the press conference. Oh, you went? Yes, I decided. I was in the back for most of the show. Got there, and to my surprise, they'd given me, like, press row access. It's like, wow. I, I didn't get press row access back in the day. And mm-hmm. here we are, how far we have come away. So look at that. Uh, thought, man, this is, this is wonderful. But for the purposes of my own uh, uh, work, I stayed in the back for the whole show because we were getting the rotation of fighters to get the winners it's way different than when we had to do like the the free-for-all scrums Mm -hmm. now they just it's the same as the format as you saw at media day where and anyone that like watches the the post show stuff you would know the format they bring you to the desk everyone pretty much gets a chance to speak and you can get in more than like one question it's it was a really good setup with all of the fighters unfortunately for like if you're coming at it from the canadian angle Outside of Jasmine Jasgavicius and Jillian Robertson, the men like went 0 4 for the whole night. Like all the male Canadian fighters lost. So I think that kind of took the the air out of the sails of some at the uh at the Scotiabank Arena, including uh Mike Malott, who was 
on his way to winning this fight with Neil Magny. And then, boom, the last couple of minutes, Neil Magny turned it around, finished Mike Malott, and and that was it. So that was your UFC report. Anything else eventful happen? Oh, let me go through this. So we uh, we then go to the the press conference with uh, with Dana White, and uh, Dana White came in and took some of his questions, and then I got I got my question in way, and I came in. I I wanted to get to like a series of topics, and I'm going in with the impression that it's probably going to be like one question, and you got to hand off the mic. Uh, but then I'm seeing throughout the night, it seems like the format is hey, you can get some follow ups in here too. So I kind of had a couple at, at it in mind that I wanted to get to. And so, yes, I wanted to address like the, the Sean Strickland story from earlier in the week. I felt that was the biggest story of the week when it came mm-hmm. to the actions that occurred during fight week. And I thought that we, we covered it quite a bit and I mm-hmm. thought it was like only fair that we get, you know, essentially what I wanted to ask was basically, is there a line? There was a time in the UFC when, this kind of stuff was um, actively discouraged. You might remember years ago when Nate Diaz just used a homophobic slur on Twitter and was fined for for doing that. And you you cannot imagine that happening now. Matt Mitrione. Matt Mitrione was Fox. another. Um, so obviously, like it it, it has shifted the mm-hmm. um, the mindset of Dana White and the UFC that has shifted, and I think we saw that in a really ugly form. On Wednesday and I mean I was like genuinely asking not as just a like believe me I was not going into this with the idea of like some confrontational situation but as I mentioned I I went over a bunch of this on the UFC review but I imagine many people listening to this probably have not heard that is that we were only a month removed from Leon Edwards and Colby Covington and in the days before that fight Colby Covington made a, a really ugly line referring to Leon Edwards deceased father. And that really struck people in a bad way. Like that was for many people, um, not everyone, believe me, I have learned there is a, there is a, there is a wide uh, range of acceptability, but even Dana White noted when asked about it, that, yeah, that was like something he wasn't crazy about, not to the point that he is like going to, you know, stop anyone from doing anything, but he, he, voiced his own um discomfort with with that level so i genuinely asked with the idea of this being this is not sean strickland going on his twitter account this is not sean strickland doing a third party interview this is sean strickland at a ufc event that is taking the time out to go on a rant a homophobic rant a transphobic rant and i mean even if you want to be someone that feels that when it comes to fight promotion, there are no rules and there are no topics that are off limits. If you like, this was not even that it is not as though he was going off on some rant related to Drickus Duplessis. This was totally separate from that. This was like, if we want to go back to the Colby Covington line. And again, I thought that was just gross. That line to Leon Edwards, But if Colby Covington wins that fight, a part of that narrative would be that he rattled Leon Edwards. And even in defeat, part of the story was that Leon Edwards acknowledged that that line really bothered him. And he had to channel all of his anger to put forward a performance like he did against Colby Covington. Um, This was like not even like you and I'm looking at like the most um, uh, 
to, to anyone that would just feel like, hey, when it comes to fight promotion, nothing is off limits. Like this was totally separate from that of someone just using their time at a UFC event to project those those views. And I mean, I feel like I got my answer from Dana White in the sense that there is no line. And I think everyone does have a line. I think even Dana White has a line and we won't know it until it's crossed, but I think it exists. I think you could come up with horrific examples that I just, I can't fathom that they would be okay with that. Um, but may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am giving too much credit, but I mean, that was my belief was like in, in the midst of it all that like, that was the, the gist of what I was trying to uh, get at. But obviously I, I felt in the moment that I stepped on a landmine with the, with the, like I gave him the leash word and thus I, it totally to me took away any chance at a meaningful answer or discussion because boom, he pounced on it and he was very effective in doing that. And it totally shifted um, the focus to that one word and that became the focus of it. So, I mean, in the midst of it, it's like, I, I've got his answer and then I wanted to get to my follow-ups too. I didn't want to like turn this into just, we're just going to argue here uh, back and forth. I clearly see what his view is. Um, but I, I also like, I've, I've spoken enough about this. I also want to know your um, thoughts of just how I presented it. And if you thought it was fair or unfair or however you felt it was. I, I thought it was more than fair. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's probably not going to be surprising to you. Um, I've, I've been presented with a lot of, um, a lot of the other perspective on, on this topic over the past week. Um, and when I say presented, I, I mean, just, just scroll down, you know, I'm sure on this video, um, in, in a few hours, you'll see it yourself. And, um, dude, th th these people, they're crafty. Okay. They have found, boy, they have a lot of time on their hands and that's if I perfectly can show fine. You what, what has made its way to me. It's, uh, they're great for engagement, I suppose, you know, they're determined. Okay. They are a very ambitious bunch when it comes to, um, needling. Yeah. Um, your job is to talk about the news your job is to talk about the most talked about stories and without a doubt to my perspective at least that was the most talked about story going into that this event ufc 297 it'll probably be well maybe outside of like the the title changes to somebody like me who doesn't even watch the fights anymore but uh follows mainstream news outlets like an espn or or or, or a, a cbc um, this is the story of UFC 297. So for you to bring it up and to get the boss's perspective on it was completely and 100% fair. It was you doing your job and you did your job. That's how I feel about it. Um, and then him, like, you know, Dana latching onto a word, he, you just kind of come to expect, you know, that that sort of thing, right? You know, he's... Uh, he's very he's good very at that. Good. Like, in terms of just, like, I... Like, I, I'm not one that's like, like, you know, re regretful. I only, I think that it is like, um, well, if it was in this word, it would have been another word, you know, that, like, that's what I feel it would have been. Um, it, it would have been something else that it's just, you took something and shut it down. And in the moment, I'm just thinking like, you can't possibly think I'm being literal here. Like, please tell me you don't think I'm being literal here from somebody that, you know, the UFC produces a show called UFC Unleashed. Like, we know that's not literal. 
correct? Like I'm not advocating for um, <laughs> literal leeches on people. That's what I felt like in the moment. And that seems to well, be what people were uh, angered by, um, he, which he, I just, I, I mean, the interpretation, at that level. the interpretation was, was, was like, uh, you know, a feeling of control as if, you know, like Dana, um, controls guess, the tells, fighters controls what they say that well, he definitely doesn't control what, what they say but if you are someone that were was offended by me insinuating that the ufc has control over these fighters boy do i have an antitrust lawsuit for you coming april 15th well again just by by judging you know dana's own words himself from the past um there's precedent set for you know a limit on the free speech that he seems to be so proud to promote right now they they took away flags for a time not all that long ago i mean certainly you're going to have that and that's all i state is that at the core i was not even coming at this with sort of the um the like uh, the the political side of this whole argument, which I understood that is what this was going to be disseminated and pieced up into. I fully get that of what I was stepping into. But at its core, this is also a business that is being run. And is this bad for business? I think you could make actually a pretty significant argument that this has, this has not deterred UFC's business at all. If in fact you had a packed arena on Saturday that treated Sean Strickland as by far the biggest star on that card. And that is an observation in and of itself that, and believe me, I have seen the fallout of this in that there is a giant or at least a super loud base that is clamoring for this, that feels their rights are under attack, that their ability to say and feel anything is under attack and I'm just trying to understand that more because we have seen that shift in the UFC and they are they are dining in this area and doing exceptionally well by it. And you would think the one of the questions that preceded me was any fallout over this from broadcasters, sponsors and Dana White. If you take his word for it, there was none. So they are on board with this sport, the culture that it has embraced and that that has become a feature, not a bug. Could I play a clip from Dana from the past talking about the Matt Mitrion story and, and his stance on free sure. speech at the if, time? If you have a clip. I mean, this this kind of w- was brought up. And I, I do think maybe the story here is the, the shift in, in philosophy. So let's uh, play this clip. You know, I, I, know, I know that there was a lot of talk, free Mitrion and all this stuff with the fans. And it's freedom of speech and all this stuff. That's absolutely ridiculous uh work at any company anywhere in america and go out and say ignorant stupid stuff publicly even on top of that say it publicly on a a big you know place where people can go read it read it or hear it publicly and see what happens to you you know and so that was a clip from years ago uh uh stepping off of uh i guess you know controversial statements matt mitrione of ufc heavyweight made about fallon fox uh, transgendered UFC fighter and uh, Dana White commenting on, I suppose, um, his stance on that level of free speech at that time. So, what changed, and when did it change? And I think that's I, the end. And no, no one is, you know, prohibited from changing their views. Whether you agree with them or not is separate. But you are you are allowed to change your your views and your opinions mm-hmm. over time. And there has been a stark difference when you hear that clip and juxtapose it to 
you would never in a million years hear Dana White uttering that now. Um, like this is this is a cause. This is a philosophy that has been adopted. And I mean, even if you want to go closer to the pandemic, like there was not all that long ago that Dana White was stating, you tune into a UFC broadcast, you're not getting any of these politics, you're not getting any of that stuff that you're going to see out there. You tune in for the fights, and that's what you're going to get here. And that we're only talking about 2020 uh, to now as well. So it seems to be as though we are, you know, and, and UFC will still, or Dana White, I should be specific, like espouses that, like, we're not about politics here. Well, it's like, you're not about a certain brand of politics, but this is very, this has become very political in terms of what the UFC stands and represents for. And it is too, they're like, they are the shining light in terms of that, their sport, their industry being an outlet for the, the, the promotion being an outlet for this. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I almost like, I almost hesitate to like, you know, uh, bring forth any sort of like solid criticism because I feel like there's, um, there are going to be uh, solid arguments perhaps on the other side, you know, that, that feel like um, everything that's being said is, is within sort of like, I don't know, um, freedoms and, and rights and, and all this shit that I just don't even, you know, want to get into. Um, but to me, just as an outsider looking in, there's been a very clear shift in um, perhaps the UFC's policies um, when it comes to something like this over the past several years. And I'd love to get more information on it. And that's exactly what I think you were trying to do on Saturday. And I have all the respect in the world for you, you know, to to even step into that dimension, knowing the type of you know blowback that you would receive. Yeah. And like, again, I... I think most people know, like I, I sincerely do not covet this attention. I, I don't like being the focus of any kind of news story. I understand. I'm just, you don't want to be a poster boy for woke leftist, um, you know, soy boys everywhere. I've got to say like, I, I was talking to, to someone this morning and it was like, like, what is like, what do you gain from this? And what I gain from this is, like, this is a very unique experience to be kind of in the middle of this. So it's like, what can I learn from this? And it's like, I might sound like a total nerd to some people, but like, I'm literally like studying like the titling of like the videos, like how mm -hmm. they're worded, how they are. Like, I, I'm learning all this as I go, but man, I handed them like uh, media reporter, number one, woke uh canadian, canadian on top of it yeah. dude this is manna from the heavens for these like ultra right-leaning like uh American. channels that so, are in canadian sources too and and they do yeah. tremendous not like the numbers mm -hmm. attached to this are gigantic like that yeah. like it is such a gigantic system that like i'm just a i'm just being i'm content that's being farmed so it's really hard for me to take any of this too personally it's like again I asked this question and I'm not a dummy, at least not as much as people might assume today. Like I know what I'm putting myself into. So whenever I put that out, whatever comes back at me is on me. I will totally wear that. It's like, I got, I only say this because literally I got texts from people like checking in to like, are you okay? And all that told me was, man, it's got to be really bad. If like, I got multiple like wellness texts from people of like, dude, how are you holding up? Are you okay? Very nice <laughs> of people. Um, I will say of everyone in, and I, I got some very nice messages. Uh, Chris Elliott sent me like 
the, the most heartwarming thing that I won't share the contents of. It was private, but I, I will I will take something like that uh, a million times more than any of the comments, the hatred. Leash boy, I I actually get a chuckle out of leash boy. I'm okay with that, but like I I I totally own. You know, I'll, I'll paraphrase, okay, and then we will move on. I don't. People don't want to hear all of this. I will take most of the blame for like my, my word choice uh, with Dana because some people were like, "What were you thinking in the, in the middle of that?" And sometimes you are struggling. Way you'll know this when you're in the midst of something and you're looking for the right well, word. And we've done podcasts where, yeah, like you just freeze, sometimes you just you say know? the wrong word, and sometimes yeah. I've got like like just a reflex of something that was recent in my mind. So in that moment, as I was searching for that word, let's take me into the mind of John Pollock and a conversation I've been having recently uh, with one of my friends about our kids. And this is what I was thinking. He goes down the stairs as my wife is like locking the door. She runs across the street. God, terrifying. Scares the out of me. Even mm-hmm. hearing this after the fact when she's home and fine, it scares the hell out of me of being downtown and uh Do you have having... leashes for your kids? No, it's I feel that's really inhumane, but I had one. <laughs> when I was a kid, like yeah, my parents literally had like me and my brother on a leash. Yeah. I'm um, starting to like really understand and maybe um enjoy the idea of of doing something like that. Cause it's like I mean, for me though, it's it's just again about their safety. Uh, uh, that that clip, um, courtesy of a uh, woke leftist Canadian podcaster Wei Ting, on uh, the most recent edition of Pollock and Ting Talk, available in the Post Wrestling Cafe. So um, again, I'll, I'll own ninety eight percent of this, but at least two percent I'm going to blame on Wei for putting that in my head. Uh, so so close. I mean, out of context, I I feel like that that clip sounds way worse than uh, really anything um you might be attached to. But no, um, it's very it's good, good pull, John. Wow. Anyway, well, it's um. Uh, I, again, like I, I knew I had to like, uh, address this and talk about it, folks. It's like my, my last thing, I don't want to like be, be preachy here, but like probably to the outside, it's like, it's, it's not that bad. It's like you, like, what, I, which I, out, what level of outside are you talking about? What, what, which layer of the onion are you talking about when you're um, talking about the outside, like people that aren't in, involved in combat sports? What What do you mean? Like. I would say for 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 anyone that uh, like this would be like a, a smaller number of people that might watch this and be like, God, I I never want to ask a tough question because that might happen to me. Gotcha. Um, right. Do not be deterred by that. Like, please. It's like this is minimal in the grand scheme of things. You we got clarity on Dana's thoughts on the story. You got the you got it. something like, out of it. You like, know? folks, I. I can only tell you, like, and I'm being completely honest, if I, after talking all about that last week, and here I have the microphone and the ability, like, how many people have the chance to have a conversation with the person that is the head of the company who's staring right at me, and if I had just punted and just gone with a safe question instead, I promise you, I would have gotten none of the negative feedback, but believe me, I would have would have felt uh, awful i would have felt worse than mm-hmm. anyone would have like th- these comments are like nothing it's white noise and i will be yesterday's news by whenever the they get tired of me which if, i'm if, a very if, boring person they will move I'm, on i mean if we're we're valuing free speech i reporters should feel the right to ask whatever they want 
Yeah, no, I had people like, you know, oh, what'll happen to your your credentials? Like, guys, I have no concern about credentials, nor do I want people to even think like that is um, some like threat that I have. For all I know, I'm perfectly welcome to return. And if not, I'm not like I again, that is not uh, that that should not be in your space at all. At when was the last time you went to a, a UFC event as it's press? been years? It's been years. And we've existed more than fine. Like, we don't even need WWE or AEW credentials to do this job. It's meaningless to us. It's nice to have. It's nice to provide extra content from a different perspective, but it's meaningless for our jobs. I'll tell you, some of these YouTube channels, they want to make sure I'm credentialed from now until the, the end of time. Okay? Oh, you got they, some, yeah, they want you got me on the road, shit. okay? Every mm-hmm. single month, I want uh, they want me at these events. Yeah. So there you go. That was the weekend of, uh, of John Pollock and um, UFC 297. Full review up on the site um Drickus Duplessis hanging out in town in the days after as middleweight champion checking out some establishments on uh, on King Street Gabby's from what i hear um served by the one and only Davey Portman what are the chances you know you get the new champ first meal outside of the hotel i'm sure maybe one of his first meals i should say Gabby's on King Street served yes. by Davey Portman what what are the chances i mean it's uh, yeah Drickus Duplessis became a big fan of uh, tr- of Toronto hmm. But there you go. Uh, we have got some other news items. Not a, not a crazy day of news, but want to go through a few things here. Um, we buried the lead here. Big promotion within the post wrestling family. Ten day Ray becoming two day two way Ray. So congratulations. <laughs> Breaking news, or I guess uh, it broke last night on the new, uh, Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Um, I'm gonna say new record um, for the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. I, I four forty five. Um, 445, 440 something ish. Yeah. Um, they will hit five, I'm sure. Um, Easy. Soon. Yeah. That's the next month. I'm waiting for the time they go live on a Sunday night and I wake up Monday morning and they're still going. Um, but I, I'm going to listen to every minute. That's just like how good these four now are, you know? So welcome, Ray Williams, a new member full time uh, on the on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. So. Uh, a lot of discussion about the topic that we just talked about, actually. Uh, I don't know if you got to hear it, but a lot of discussion about um, everything that you went through last over the weekend. Four, four great guys on the uh, on the NWA podcast. It mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, it, the toughest thing on Sunday, actually, was, you, you know what time I got out of that arena on Sunday night? S- Saturday I night, I should know, say. dude. Like, must have been 2.30. 3.35, I left the arena after that press conference. That's how late it went. Wow. Uh, so I I got out there, cabbed it home, and then I went to bed at four thirty, and then woke up at eight a.m. and that was the least woke I had been all weekend. <laughs> That's it. That's all my material. That's all I got. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Kazuchiko Okada, he spoke with Tokyo Sports and uh, gave a bit more insight into his decision to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. He stayed, and this is from the English translation, so uh, bear that in mind. 
First of all, this year was the fifth year, the final year of his contract. I guess it was a good time to think about something. When I was thinking about whether I would sign with New Japan Pro Wrestling or whether I would look elsewhere in the world, I realized that this might be my last chance. We've been talking about various things, of course, but also about the company. And we've been together for a while now. I only recently made the decision. And, you know, he's 36 years old and he's still at a time in his career way where he can go out and he's still in his athletic prime as well. And earning wise, I mean, he's going to get a he's going to get a monster deal wherever he goes. This is going to be enormous money coming his way. He's going to be the subject of a of a bidding battle, hopefully, between both companies for him. And it would seem that the ball is in his court to go where where he opts to but you and i have not had a chance yet to talk about uh the, the okada news but obviously this is going to be the, the focus over the next several weeks and and how his exit from new japan is handled he's got the two core q and hall shows this week the tanahashi match on the 11th and then he wraps up the 23rd and 24th on the uh, hokkaido shows well i can't imagine uh barry bloom comes cheap you know if, if uh, as an agent and i don't think he deals with um contracts that aren't uh incredibly lucrative for everybody involved um, so yeah, like that, it, it, it's probably, probably, um, the number one reason why we're, we're even, you know, um, talking about Okada leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling is to get, get the bag as, as the kids say. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge story, but it's one that I, I mean, just judging by some of the reaction I've seen, I think they're equal parts, perhaps, um, I don't, I don't know, um, dread for the future of New Japan. And I think equal parts optimism you know, for the future and, and what sort of like, you know, opportunities this, this creates for the next generation. Uh, I think there's both. I think short term, I'm with you. I think there's going to be a lot. Uh, there needs to be some big moves like there. Mm-hmm. Like New Japan has to get out of the conservative mindset. We are not building for tomorrow. We're building for now. And we got to just whoever we're, we're just going to put a jetpack on them. And that could be very exciting if they just decide to take a Yoda Suji. My concern, which also goes to your point, is the long term is, is this what kind of like breaks the mentality of a lot of these Japanese stars that this is the be all end all? Does this become the new pathway? And whoever is this going to be just a different version of ECW circa 2000, where Paul could not hang on to any of it. He was just constantly having to make new stars who were just going to go to the better offer. And your Yoda Suji, where's Yoda Suji going to be in two years? Where is Yu Yu Imura going to be in two years? And does this kind of break the cycle of, of guys that are lifers with, with new Japan that come up through that system and graduate. And it's a like, can, could you do a Naito multi-year story when you have, you know, the, the ability for these guys that are, going to view making it in america as the next logical step and now that pathway has been paved Mm -hmm. it's an interesting question i think it's especially interesting considering it's japan that we're talking about and and they have such a long history of people just coming up through their systems and staying through those systems you know for eternity not jumping to other promotions i mean we see difference different sort of like you know breakings of perhaps the that sort of like unspoken rule but i i don't know if we've maybe um looked at north america as 
much of a viable option for the top level of Japanese stars as we are right now. Um, I mean, the biggest star in the in, in the entire country, you know, is going to be signing with an American company. So what does that mean for everybody else? So what's the solution if you're new to Japan? You know, are you are you looking to offer longer term contracts? Um, how do you make yourself? Mm, how do you like proof you know yourself against two giant companies that are also vying for your professional wrestlers i mean it's it's going to have to be like number one what is in their pocket is that you go up and down this roster there are going to be those that are not going to want to uproot themselves from japan like you do have that if you do want to be stationed in japan this is the company you want to aspire to be in uh but you're gonna have it's gonna be tough to be competitive dollar wise with with, with with the two major companies that are only going to get richer in these next set of television deals if all goes according to the hopes with AEW and you know WWE is going to be in a very you know it's not only in a very very advantageous position but with a different mindset now when it comes to Japanese stars and you're not signing an Okada to just put him into a mid-card role like you are putting a giant investment in him. And that's only going to serve as a message to everyone else. Like, look, look at what they've done with Okada. And that's, that's going to play an effect too. Um, you know, you're, it, it's going to take uh, time. I think, again, the short term, I think could actually be in reinvigorating for new Japan. And if you felt that, like we've, we talked about like the highlights of the past year has been the ascension of some of these younger stars, but it needs to like if that was a seven, we got to ramp this up to an eleven and just mm-hmm. go and take some risky but like big big moves to shine a light. And they have this opportunity. Like Okada, like he's got you've got the never open weight, uh, the never six man tag title match this week. Like that last match in, o- in Hokkaido. Like I, I think that you should be having Okada losing to somebody on the way out. Like do something massive like this should not be nakamura leaving at leaving as intercontinental champion and vacates um not to say the the, the never titles are that but the reputation of like we're going to send okada out as this this star that is going off and we're going to treat him like uh you know book him strong on the way out it's like we've got to figure out who is taking his his mantle so what do you think happens with the tanahashi match who wins that one i'm curious it's so he's facing it for people who aren't aware. Uh, Tanahashi is one of the the matches they specifically um, booked and, and announced for that Osaka show, I believe. Yeah, the um, 11th, which is that loaded show with Zach and Danielson and the five on five cage match. So that's which, that's Osprey's last show. Yeah, yeah. And, and just poetically, um, it was also the place where uh, o- uh, Okada and Tanahashi first had their title match and, and the big upset uh, win from from Okada. So um, you're just kind of wrapping wrapping up the story that way. But. If you are both, on the one hand, um, basically, you know, pushing, uh, saying goodbye to Okada as they leave a territory, while at the same time potentially setting them up for a bigger goodbye match against one of your new generation guys, how do you book the the outcome to Okada versus Tanahashi? So I would not be booking Okada to just be doing jobs from here on out because they're not going to have that impact. If it is, like, we don't know what the Hokkaido matches are. If you're telling me Mm -hmm. it's going to be pick your guy yoda suji um you know they've done the teases with like kosei fujita um wanting that elusive win over okada whoever it is if that is where they're going make it the one big loss tanahashi doesn't need the win 
win or a loss is not going to hurt Tanahashi's standing. So if you are just building up to the big key loss, I'm fine with Okada beating Tanahashi if it is to set up something bigger at Hokkaido with someone who could really ascend in a big way. Tanahashi mm-hmm. is Tanahashi. It's yeah. not we're not building the company. He's on his him. way out. That's it. He can mm-hmm. withstand the loss. It's not it's not the worst situation. But like I like it has to be someone. It has to be somebody rather than Okada just getting this, you know, grand departure and go, goes out as the biggest star we've ever had is now going. It's it's the other case of the AW part of the equation and this idea that, well, you'll be able to get dates here and there on Osprey and Okada. Like, how much do you want the perception that like the big stars come back for one big show and then we've got to carry the rest of the year with the perception being like, the lesser stars like mm-hmm. that's the AEW side of it that is tough when you're starting to see like here are two massive names that are going over there and what Wrestle Kingdom it's it's about the stars that we don't have year round but they're the real stars to the public yeah exactly um and and like any deal with AEW is going to be a trade you know like he's not just going to be coming in and putting over a younger star without um something of equal value to to AEW they don't really have that incentive so i think it's interesting to see how they book this goodbye um and i i have to think that they're they're going to be smart about it or at least i hope one last thing on this before we move on uh karen peterson and bruce lord had a great discussion about yes. um uh kazuchiko okada leaving new japan pro wrestling on their new beginning in nagoya post show which uh, released this past weekend in the post wrestling cafe however if you're not a post wrestling cafe member we have put that entire discussion up for all of you to uh, listen to for free at youtube.com slash post wrestling. So simply scroll over slightly below this, look up the video and uh, enjoy their great analysis talking about his um, uh, uh, departure from all angles, where he'll end up, how this leaves new Japan, really great discussion from Karen and Bruce. So the next two days, they're at Core Q and Hall, Tuesday's show, which is Tuesday morning on New Japan World. It's headlined by El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru for the junior heavyweight title. The bigger show is Wednesday. It starts at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time, and that includes the never openweight six-man tag title match with Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii defending the titles against Shane Hayes, Mikey Nichols, and Kosei Fujita. Um, but the big one is, well, Okada's last match at Core Q and Hall is pretty important, but the headliner is Ren Narita and Shota Umino, which should be the main event. Like I, I really, they booked this before the, the Okada news, but I'm glad that they are keeping this in the main event slot. I think it's like, that is how these two should be positioned. Like this should be treated like this is their biggest match. Uh, they're headlining Q and Hall. And this, like, these are our future guns that are going to be um, just moved significantly higher coming out of this. So I hope they go out and just, you know, tear the place down on, on, on Wednesday. So that's an interesting card mm-hmm. on, on uh, Wednesday. A lot more pressure on those guys suddenly. Uh, a lot. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of pressure uh, going forward, which which can be very good for mm-hmm. for for New Japan to kind of have that, that change uh, of things. Ratings notes. SmackDown did 2,408,000 viewers and a .62 on Friday night, according to WrestleNomics. Um, very little movement from the Friday prior. 
um, they were going up against a much stronger NBA game that did like like a million more viewers than the game last week. So the fact that they were basically even um, it was a good sign because the competition was a lot more on Friday night where they did really big was Canada. They did two hundred and forty three thousand seven hundred viewers and ninety five thousand in the twenty five to fifty four demo on Sportsnet three sixty, which was the most watched sports program on Friday night in Canada. It was ahead of the NBA it was ahead of the NHL. And it was ahead of curling, guys, in Canada. So wow. that was a big night for SmackDown, their highest number in Canada since October 27th. We are suckers for contract signings, especially when there's four signatures to procure over a two-hour window. Uh, they, they might just wait for that last one, and I guess it worked. Yeah. And Rampage did 390,000 viewers and a .12 in the demo. Audience was up 2%. Uh, sorry, down 2%, and the demo increased 6%, also going against uh, the late NBA game. Um, and this was a more stacked rampage. You had Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy in the main event, which was totally nuts. And you had Chris Jericho in the opener against Matt Seidel. So it was it didn't spike the rampage number, but w- was more in line with w- what the show has been doing each Friday. But th- this match was totally crazy. That dive by Darby Allen th- uh, landing on the chair. Mm-hmm. My God. I mean, what do you what what would you expect from from these two? I mean, even if uh, you know in front of a hundred people, I'm sure they would have um, had a very similar level of match. Uh, and interestingly, it seems like they're teasing a Jeff Hardy heel turn, or they're continuing to. Yeah, I mean, and that will probably progress on on Wednesday when he's uh, got Swerve Strickland. Uh, so let's uh, let's end it there with just what's coming up over the next two nights. We have. NXT, which includes the continuation of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. We will get Nathan Frazier and Axiom against Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker in the semifinal. Lexus King takes on Trey Bearhill. It's all led to this. Joe Gacy against Dijak. Blair Davenport against Carmen Petrovich. And Lash Legend will take on Ren Sinclair, who debuted in the Battle Royal last week, the former Matty Renkowski in AEW. And AEW has announced a, a bunch of matches for Wednesday show in Savannah, Georgia, including... Adam Copeland and Minoru Suzuki mm-hmm. might end up being the main event on the show for all we know. Um, there's not like one match that stands out as like the clear cut main event for the show, but I could see it being that it's my main event. Then they will also have Jeff Hardy and Swerve Strickland. As we mentioned, Penta against Hangman Page, Wardlow against Trent Beretta and the acclaimed and daddy ass defending the trios titles against the mogul embassy, along with a face to face with Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo and appearances by Sting and Darby Allen. So that is coming up on Wednesday, and we will have uh, shows covering all of these. Up next will be live on Tuesday night with Braden Davey. Wednesday, we have Pollock and Thurston at 3 Eastern with the return of Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, joining Brandon and I. And then Wednesday night, Rewind to Dynamite. And Thursday, Rewind Away up at postwrestlingcafe.com. You will get a review of You Cannot Kill, David Arquette. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Weeks ago, uh, months ago, maybe at this point, we talked about David Arquette's WCW championship win. Now we're going to bookend it very nicely with his return run into independent professional wrestling, uh, talking about everything, including pretty uncomfortable match he had with Nick Gage. Yes, so that will be covered. Also, for those with Cafe Access, you will also be getting uh, MCU later this week with WH and Rich Fan covering episodes three and four of Echo, which, um, breaking news. I think this might be the series I jump jump into and check out. Really? Wow. I'm a sucker for Kingpin, man. Kingpin's my favorite villain. Okay. So I might. Hey, you're a huge Daredevil fan, and I suppose this would be the one to to jump back in. Yeah. Yeah. This one looks, uh, the series looks interesting. And it's uh, like five five episode commitment. Mm -hmm. I'm in. 
Uh, and then we have got Collision Course, Rewind to SmackDown with the tandem of John Pollock and Neil chatting SmackDown. We'll do a little Rumble preview and, and maybe even a little Dallas talk on Friday night. Ooh. And then free for everyone Saturday night, Way and I will be live minutes after the Royal Rumble on Saturday night, which as we, as things stand, Way, four matches, and uh, we will see if anything more gets added. But of course, we have two battle royals. Well, yeah. I mean, at this stage, I don't expect these shows to ever go to, to like the five, six, seven hour length anymore. So I, I expect it to be pretty manageable. And I'm really looking forward to the Rumble this year. If I'm asleep before 4.30, I'll be happy after the Royal Rumble. So that, mm. that is the key. All right. All those, the shows can be found postwrestling.com in the schedule there. And for those that want to just jump on board, postwrestlingcafe.com, including uh, multiple audio updates throughout the week from the one and only John Pollock at the Double Double. Best the in level. the business. Yeah, I'm going to get that uh, printed and put on my wall. Quotations, waiting. All right. Let's move on over to... Raw tonight from New Orleans, Louisiana, the beautiful Smoothie King Center, mm. a venue we have been to many a time. Wife. Well, at least once. Yes, we have. Yes. Um, beautiful city. Wonderful city. New mm. Orleans. Can't go wrong. Uh, Russell Tex reporting over 8,500 tickets distributed and episode number 1600, according to Michael Cole on this show. Mm. We, have, we have sat through 600 three hour episodes, three hour editions of Raw. Boy, like so at some point um, in the not so distant future, you're going to tell me we've sat through a thousand of these and that half of Raw's lifespan has been three hours. And We're not that far away from getting there. I just, and you and I have probably reviewed like 98% of those three hour Raw's. Did, didn't, haven't we done all of them? Well, I'm just saying if like there was the odd Monday oh, we, we missed, yeah. we're probably above 99% to be quite honest. Like sure, we have not yeah. missed too many in some form or fashion. We have yeah. had a, a review of Raw every so, day. Well, here's a question. Do you, well, could well, it, how much Emmy hours have we spent watching no, Raw? No, 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 no. Um, could it no longer be three hours um, a year from now? No, I don't think so. You think People, it'll be three hours forever? Okay, here, the the only way, no, I, I, I will say like pretty definitively. It will even, still be, even like if it's an Amazon. You think it'll be three hours? I do. I do think it'll be. Because it's 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 just, it's another hour of content that they're already, like all the costs are fixed for WWE. It's not like it costs them more to produce these this extra hour. And for Amazon, and it's to their value to sell three hours versus two. Amazon wants that engagement. I, I just can't see it um, moving back to two hours. As much as that would be so celebrated by the audience, it's so counter to where everything is going in this one direction of just more content to get more dollars for. And I just, so now that SmackDown's get uh, going to be on USA. What what's to stop USA from asking for a third hour of SmackDown? Nothing. Just if they will pay for it. At WWE some point, don't you think it? quality of programming is, is something that they're, they're mindful of? I mean, way we saw where like, like when raw moved to three hours, I think there was a period where it was, like you still had like like the shield and you had some of those Danielson matches that like ate up a lot of minutes. But man, yeah. did we hit some like like it was every week you would just I would still I would still Awful. say now three hours. Terrible. Like how it's often so do you bad. sit through and it's like, oh, my God, it just breezed through. I think if yeah. you, you wouldn't even need truth serum. I think just Hunter in it, like if you just asked him flat out, he would say two hours is better than three. 
it's I just think Vince what it would is. tell you that. I think anyone would tell you that, but mm-hmm. it's just it's it's crazy money to be able to turn down for that third hour. Like it's just it just doesn't make logical sense to just for enjoyment. But I suppose like if you're talking about a you know um like a streamer like an Amazon, like are hours watched that much more valuable? Aren't we just talking about like isn't the main metric signups? You know, it is, but I mean, it, I think it's, I think, I think their argument would be like three hours of content is going to make it that much more must see. There's like another hour of content that you're going to be missing out on if you don't sign up. I feel like that's so against like most of at least, you know, the, the, the people I hear from and even myself, like three hours sounds so daunting that I'd rather not watch, but Hey, maybe I'm in minority. I mean, they're, you know, they're trying to attract, you know, a sports audience that are accustomed to tuning in for like multiple football games a, a week. And, and you're looking at, at that time as well. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't see the three hour format changing. And the idea of SmackDown moving to three hours, I, I totally wouldn't dismiss that. It would only like that's an economic decision. And mm. would that happen? I would not stun me in the least. That's a, uh, also tonight, speaking of football, no football competition as of tonight. So they are in the clear. And I I bet you there was a lot of interest for the, this Cody Punk segment um, going into the show and coming out of it, word of mouth spreading about this segment, which was I, I would say the Seth segment just as much. Yeah, you're opinion. right. You had news to tease right off the top. So I'm sure that and they made a made it very apparent he was kicking off the show as well. So a good point. He comes out. And he's got the knee brace on his left knee and he's limping to the ring. The fans are chanting for him. He's getting choked up and goes over, hitting the cabrata onto Jinder Mahal and felt his knee go inward, finished the match. And then it registered backstage when he could not bend his knee and said that there was a chance he could miss WrestleMania, but went through with the MRI last week, got the results, a grade two tear of the MCL and a partial tear of the meniscus. And with surgery, they're telling him he could be out three to four months. And he doesn't know what the future is going to hold. I'm just taking it day by day. And before he can move on, Imperium interrupts. And they walk down. Gunther enters the ring, says they've avoided each other for a very long time. Rollins, it's interesting that you call yourself the workhorse champion and one that everyone can be proud of just like me. And it's sad that you might not make it to mania. Rollins says, I wasn't finished yet. I don't care what the doctors say, the whole crowd cheers, or how hard I have to rehab. I will keep my promise and take this title into WrestleMania and leave as champion. Gunther says he admires that from one great champion to another. And on Sunday, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. Michael Cole, must have yelled Saturday like three different times as soon as the segment ended. Ooh, Saturday, Saturday, the Rumble's on Saturday. And he chooses Rollins. And Gunther says he's going to win the Rumble, choose Rollins, and I'm going to target your knee. I'm going to target your back and everything else that isn't 100% to become champion. Rollins says, well, I'm going to remember who I remember who you're coming after. And he puts out his hand to shake it. And Gunther tells him, remember who I'm coming after. And they shake hands. And with that, Kofi and Xavier Woods jump Imperium at ringside. And that concluded the segment here with Seth Rollins. So, I mean, it was, um, unless uh, Seth is playing it close to the vest and that this is, he didn't actually state he was getting surgery. Like he Mm -hmm. didn't state that. He said with surgery, it would Mm -hmm. be three to four months out. So you would get the sense here. He is going to rehab this 
this knee and yeah. be good to go for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be promoting the the fact that he could continue. No, unless nor would they be starting going like to. a build like it's it's mm. one thing to be like touch and go for mania but you need to have those plans locked now that mm. we're either building this match or we're not building this match and they're obviously going which match are you talking about what whatever rollins matches if you okay assume they're going with the punk direction but you know you mm. have to lock in the card now of what are we doing for the next two months to build to wrestlemania and if you have a question mark I don't I don't think you're starting at that point, but they yeah, are obviously yeah. confident here that they've they've got him to do the match and probably is not going to be doing a, any wrestling before that. It, it's my presumption, you know, that, that what I got out of this is that he's going to either avoid or delay surgery and just stop for rehab. And um, I have a feeling he'll at least be in good enough shape that he could pull off a match at WrestleMania. And if if that ends up being the case, you never want to see somebody get injured. But this could end up being something similar to like a Cody Tornpeck moment for Seth Rollins, you know, a type of injury that's certainly awful, but perhaps like not awful to the point where he can't wrestle one more match on it. And now it in effect gives him this incredibly sympathetic story that could potentially really end up defining his career um, and perhaps take him to like a different level of, you know, babyface sort of appeal. So we'll and see how they endless play. ideas of how you can promote this, like his training and rehab that he's going through. Like you could tell a very um, relatable story in the, in the sense of like getting outside of the arena. And this, this is this guy's struggle to try and make yeah. it to this show and why this title means so much. to him. you can do a lot with this. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought Rollins came out here and did such a great job of spilling his emotions into the segment. I mean, this initial moment with him taking his glasses off and seeing the the the, the, the redness and the tears in his eyes, it felt every bit as heartfelt as, you know, Sean, you know, in uh, uh, Syracuse or like Daniel Bryan retiring. I mean, when he said that he's been in, through a rough week and he really appreciated that response from the crowd, it tells you exactly all you need to know about the range of emotions he went through. Um and and it was just yeah a wonderful little moment that the only thing I would say that was missing from it um, was a <laughs> <laughs> so Kingston uh, and Woods jump Imperium and we go right into their match where um, Giovanni Vinci hits what Wade calls the best cross body in the business the Kofi Kingston uh, Vinci was cleared and wrestled the house shows over the weekend so he's back. Kaiser beats on Woods with strikes in the corner, and the New Day make their comeback. Battle Imperium on the floor, sending them into the barricade, and we get the double countout at 9.04. And the crowd, I mean, they immediately boo, but then they picked up the action so much. They go into the crowd. Woods is sent into the timekeeper's area, area, and then they go for a chair shot with Kofi making the save. They fight on top of the equipment box and lift up Woods for a suplex when Kofi dives to save him and tackles everyone off, crashing through the tables. This brawl was great and mm-hmm. ended like a satisfying double countout finish uh, on the heels of Eddie Kingston and Gabe Kidd. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, I guess among other sort of like, you know, um, examples of this, because this feels like something that Hunter has used several times, at least, you know, throughout his his takeover of the br- regime. Um, it, 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 whenever there's a feud that I think has the potential or is currently, you know, in a sort of like highly intense state, 
um they he'll often do a thing where like you know it'll either end in a double dq or a double count up because people are so caught up in beating each other up that they just don't even care about the mass result and it, it it's usually unsatisfying unless you get you give the crowd a very satisfying either spot or brawl post fight and we saw it with bronson reed and ivar back in november we saw it with kaiser and kingston in this same feud not that long ago and they're doing it again and in general i think it's actually a, a very effective way of building to a rematch um but perhaps it might be in danger of a little overuse in my opinion like I, tonight was like the first time where i saw it and i was like oh, okay they're doing this again um but the the post-match brawl was a very good one and maybe that's what matters the most yeah i thought it was really effective with the post-match the crowd got into it as well and you got like the big moment of like the 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 spot at the end coming off the uh the equipment uh throughout the night they were promoting the uh the 2k24 uh cover art that they revealed on monday so we have the standard cover with cody on the cover the deluxe cover with bianca and rhea ripley and then 40 years of wrestlemania from 1985 to 2024 how many years is that way (laughs) sorry is there a bit of a WWE math going on here? It's been 39 years. What Now, I'm not going to be too nitpicky, but on the same night where you're promoting 40 years of Hulkamania and putting the date there of 1984 and the first WrestleMania is 1985 and we're promoting 40 years of both, the WWE math, then, now, forever. 40 years. Um, When does the game camp come out? The game comes out in March. Okay, where it will still be thirty nine years. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, it's way too late for me to do this math, but I, I'll, I'll try, take your word for it. They also included. They played the trailer here for the game. Um, some weird looking uh, characters here. Did you check out this trailer? Yeah, it was like. Um, I mean, it, obviously, it was very intentional. It was like them using like modern day Steve Austin's face, like sort of like pasted onto a video game generated Steve Austin and they did the same with Hogan mm. did the same with Taker. It it was very sort of like surreal, almost awkward effect, but I, I, I don't exactly know what the intended effect was. You can also get the nightmare family pack, which includes dashing Cody Rhodes, stardust, dusty and superstar Billy Graham. Was he part of the nightmare family? Hmm. With QT well, I mean, the... it's it's Dusty's opponent at Madison Square Garden when he challenged for the title. Oh, so that's the there you go. But this this would indicate that at least, like you know, since his passing, like there's some agreement with his estate with with his with with Valerie Coleman. So I mean, hmm. it's nice that he's included in this, and there would be um, you know some financial compensation here for um, you know somebody that was you know superstar Graham went through like a lot of like hard years before his passing last year. Judgment Day are with Rhea Ripley, and Rhea is on Damian Priest's case for facing Drew tonight. So they're still keeping that in the background, the whole Rhea-Drew McIntyre link. And you guys are defending the tag titles against DIY next Monday, and then Priest fires back that Rhea's got a big head now that she's on the cover of 2K24. The insertion of 2K24 promotion was on full effect tonight, from CM Punk to Damian Priest to everyone. But in both cases, I thought really well done. Like it felt organic, like, you know, like being on a as, as organic company, as you can get in a WWE setting. I mean, I felt it. it was actually like it made a lot of sense why they would be brought up in these specific instances. And we'll talk about the CM Punk one later. But like being on the cover of 2K is, you know, it's it's like main eventing 
a little mini WrestleMania in, in this, you know, in the context of like a WWE superstar sort of career. Right. And they're using it now as part of storylines or at least in, as part of their promos. And I thought it made great sense here. Well, she said she went to Adam Pierce early on and Damien saying, stop going to Adam Pierce. And then he storms off. Rhea then tells them that DIY should have been taken care of by now. And she just browbeats Finn Balor. What are you laughing at? And says, it's been a while since we've seen your vicious side. And Balor says, I'll show you vicious. So we're uh, can take look at Dominic's reaction here to this conflict within the judgment day. I think Rhea and, and Priest are developing pretty good chemistry as like sort of, um, you know, whenever they have to argue. And I'm very curious to know like, um, like how far they'll go with this, with this little rivalry that these two have going on. Um, I, I, I thought Rhea was great in the, in the segment, yeah. that, uh, you know, and I'd like that we're, we're kind of moving towards that direction with, with judgment day. Like it's, it's time to kind of like tease this mm-hmm. inner, uh, conflict. Jackie interviews Ivy Nile and Maxine. And, uh, did you notice Ivy Nile? They have a new nickname for her. Um, they said it about 55 times. She is now the pit bull and they don't call her the pit bull for nothing. Like what the hell? You know, I I thought we were moving past um dog names for wrestlers. Okay, Vince, you get one suggestion this yeah. year. We'll put you in charge of one, one program. Yeah, You're taking Vince. Butch away from me. All right, then Ivy <laughs> Niles. The Wait a minute, that's what you called AJ. It didn't work. We we dropped it. The Pitbull. God damn it! It's a dog. It's not the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah. Um. I I it's this is like the this feels like a, a weird outlier, you know, uh, again, like in this new regime that we would still have something this um, strange and I think completely ineffective. The amount of times that they tried to push this pit bull thing for Ivy. Her Nile, finisher is now called instead of the bulldog is now called the pit bull. Um, is are you sure about that? Yes, like, she hit the bulldog, and Michael Cole called it the pitbull. Are you sure it wasn't just Cole commenting, uh, um, like, uh, "Hey, the bulldog from the pitbull"? Are you sure it wasn't just that? Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I could have sworn she, he called it the pitbull. Because if anything, would wouldn't it be the pit bulldog? Well, that's that's not a real thing. He, he's swapping <laughs> out one dog for another, <laughs> and a doom salt is a real thing. <laughs> I guess so. Well, let me ask you this. If you if you had to pick and you were like, okay, wait, these are your nicknames you get. You're either the Pitbull or the Barefoot Freak. <laughs> I might take the Barefoot Freak. God. This, <laughs> this like, three minutes felt like I was watching an episode of Raw from 2019. Um, we got a head scissors by Nile and then a pop-up headbutt by Valhalla. Um, you might have missed it, but Nikki Cross walked out onto the stage during this match just because. Me. And uh, Nile hit the Pitbull off the turnbuckle to win in 248 and uh wade says it's about the fight in the dog and this pitbull has a lot of fight chat room says you're right so uh pitbull it is congratulations all right, all right. um uh, she's gonna get where i can take them hey, she's gonna get so over um i think with with this i don't know i don't know what's going on um with, with all of this uh Credit to Valhalla, I would say, for trying to work a unique style. But man, I I didn't think this this that, worked. That's at all. the barefoot freak way. <laughs> yes, Jay Uso is. Uh, Jay Uso's role on this show is to get ice packs for the new day. And uh, Jackie interviews them and says, uh, "Where does this end with Imperium?" And 
We're getting like the serious new day after all these years. We're not 12-time champions for nothing. We're the best team going, and we have been for the past decade. When you push us too far, you'll see what happens. We took out the henchmen, and now Kofi's going for the big boss, and he challenges Gunther for next week. And all of a sudden, that after that Brock Lesnar lost, when, when, he, when he squeezed that item in his hand, it's all just setting the table for this. I've been waiting for this Kofi Kingston since it's 2019. That moment. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane how it's taken this long for them to cut. Maybe that's Brock's dance promo. partner for, for, for Mania. It's going to be Kofi. A big rematch. Yeah. Kofi Mania too, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I, I, it really does seem to me like they are, um, focusing and addressing to me New Day's biggest weakness throughout these several years. It, it's their inability to express anger coming off of, a lot of terrible shit that's happened to this group over the past, you know, several years. I mean, they lost one of their members and we never really got to see them ever sell for it, nor really kind of turn it into motivation for something more. And that to me is the biggest reason why they've been so stuck at this level. So tonight was a great start. I hope to see them continue to build on this energy. Nia Jax comes out and she brags about squashing Ripley, squashing Becky and said it was really fun that they had their challenges last week for WrestleMania. She's getting berated with what chance and Ripley and Becky, of course they want to face each other at WrestleMania because they know I can beat both of them and I'm going to kill their dreams at the rumble this Saturday. Got the date, right? Becky comes out and has given Nia something new to brag about for the next five years with the recent loss and says, Nia, you have the biggest target on your back because the one thing the women's locker room can agree on is they don't like you. Bailey comes out. And she was here to give a message to Rhea Ripley. But this is even better because she's going to win the Rumble and will point to the sign and they fight. And then this leads to a manhandle slam on Bailey. And then we get Nia tossing Becky over the top and leg drops Bailey. So Nia stands tall and Becky is embarrassed by being thrown over the top rope by Nia. What was funny was Bailey stating she was here to deliver a message to Rhea Ripley, but then later in the night, Pierce said she was invited to promote the Royal Rumble. Maybe that was the promotion. Was that the promotion? Just come up to Rhea and say, I'm winning. I'm going to challenge yeah. you. I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh, in comparison to like the men's Rumble, the, the women's Rumble this year has been built up pretty poorly, in my opinion. Yes, we'll they did the announcement like both sides, like they're going in, like the men's side. It's not a lot of names have been announced, but they're all ones they've pushed. The women, you have several like contenders, and even if they're not real contenders, they at least have stories, right? They at least have motivations. They're Who coming off have? of Raw. They are promoting Nia Jax, Becky, Bianca, and Bailey, and everyone else is unannounced as as of now. And I would say of these ones, I guess these are your. What what the hell have you heard from Bianca uh, in in regards to her her desire to win the the Royal Rumble? You know she hasn't. She, said, she declared herself for the Rumble, but we haven't gotten that real like heartfelt promo of why why we haven't had her an attachment from her towards either a current champion or like just a motivation to you know headline a wrestlemania again like the only real people you've heard that from are bailey okay through her damage control sort of like desire to face uh rhea ripley and collect all the championships you've heard it from becky um you've heard it kind of from naya just in her being able to say nobody could beat me but beyond that, how are we supposed to feel about the other 27 people that are supposed to enter this thing? You know, we're expecting Naomi. That's going to be like a really nice little dark horse, perhaps. But beyond that, like there, there are a lot of gaps right now in this women's rumble of like 
of people that I just don't think have any sort of like reason for us to believe and, and get invested in. It's kind of the Becky Nia story with like Bailey as another alternative. Like that's what it feels like. And, and I guess, I guess Bianca, you, you throw in there just by just based on her level. Yeah. Yeah. At her level. We got several of the Royal Rumble numbers videos. Uh, in this first one, we got a we got one shot of Bel Air winning in the Thunderdome year in 2021, and just seeing that visual of the screens is just weird, huh? Oh, it's so bizarre to go. Did it feel like four years ago to you? <sighs> Three years ago. Was the okay, list. the Thunderdome specifically. I guess I, I, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about the right. pandemic in the general. Four years, almost four years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been a long amount of time, but in, it doesn't feel super long. I talked about this like uh, with, with my chiropractor um, the other day. And it's just the like, Thunderdome? Not the Thunderdome, but just about the pandemic and how like it feels like it's, it's, a, it's a period of four years that just kind of like flash by. Like I still remember that incredibly like vividly. Or like I remember four years ago, very vividly, and it it almost feels like we just that time chunk of time went nowhere. Um, and we didn't go anywhere, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I I can't imagine like sitting down and having to like rewatch some of those shows from that time. Like we did it; it was like we did it at the time. But man, I just I have less than like zero interest. Hey, don't let Drew McIntyre hear you say that. Okay, he's well, he's, he's going to cut a promo on you defending the pandemic era. Becky uh, then runs into Ripley backstage and Ripley tells her, you better make other plans for WrestleMania. And Becky had like the saddest look on her face after being thrown over the top rope. Uh, I, not yet, at least. Yeah. Uh, this is the very clear sort of like WrestleMania program here for Rhea Ripley. I, and, and they're not teasing anybody else. Right. So, um, and that's, it's, Ultimately, that's what matters most. I'm glad they're doing it. I just wish that they would build a bit more suspense by teasing some, a few other people. Um, yes, they're doing Bailey, but not nearly as hard. So maybe we'll get that Bailey Rhea interaction on uh, Friday. Finally, then we have uh, Dominic Mysterio and the Miz with Finn Balor and JD in the corners. Miz met with Truth earlier in the day, telling him to stay in the back. And when this match begins, there's a huge "We Want Truth" chant from this crowd. They also mentioned Dom's boots that he's been wearing of late, a tribute to Pero Aguayo mm-hmm. Sr. Yeah, a lot of um well, a lot of ties between those families and um tragic ties. Miz is uh, thrown to the floor, gets decked by Balor behind the referee's back. Then Miz hits his clothesline into the corner, and the rope is kicked into his groin. We go to the commercial. Miz hits his springboard crossbody, and then we got into this sequence of uh the it kicks. Um, we also had the it chops, okay, that didn't look great either. And there was this ugly transition where Miz got like sent into the rope to set up for the 619. The final like minute of this, it was just like they were battling through quicksand here to to the end. And we get a cheap shot from Balor and a frog splash by Dominic to pin him in 11 minutes and 23 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cute that the Miz is still like trying to wrestle like a like a high-flying modern baby face you know so he'll like pull up moves like um springboard crossbody like a like i think he did a run off the apron or or something yeah and then like a springboard crossbody and it looks like pretty bad but because it's the miz it's kind of amusing you know so um it's not going to be the prettiest of matches but i guess like this is the gimmick he's a baby face and he's going to do moves that he's not used to doing and they're not always going to look great um so 
I just this hope was he's not waiting for like night one of Mania to do the the Miz fifty off the top rope. Ah, oh, that'd be something. So what was this? Uh, uh, what is it? Mean side of Finn Balor that he was, uh, you know, suggesting? Yeah, he uh, he hit him from behind from the floor. Mm. Okay, Dick, very mean. Yeah. Judgment Day continue to attack the Miz when DIY run out. Their music plays, and do no one reacts to this music when they're they're coming out, and they lay them out and it ends with a skull crushing finale by Miz onto JD meet in the middle is stopped when Balor pulls JD to the floor further viciousness from Finn Balor you think we get a title change next week no I would yeah not. I don't think so either DIY does not feel mm-hmm. odd. not yet Redman is with Damian Priest and wants to uh, talk about Drew congratulates Dom for handling business and then our truth enters with his cut of the merchandise and talks about finn adding him on venmo and priest says this is not the time for your humor and just sends him off this was not like a um laugh out loud moment with our truth it was just yeah but it did set up something for this evening oh it did he says drew was the man around here when everyone was struggling but then once everyone was a hundred percent drew couldn't beat roman reigns gunther and he can't beat seth rollins and it's out of jealousy that he doesn't want to see Priest become champion. But I will be champion, either by cashing in or winning the Rumble. And Drew will receive his punishment tonight. So we're to take this like literally that it wasn't just like the morale and the spirit that was down. Like it, like we were unhealthy during the pandemic. Yeah. And Drew was the champion when none of us were like at our physical best. Is that is that what I'm to <laughs> take from he- this? Is that what he meant? Is this not an even playing field? Like Drew literally had COVID during this period and came out and addressed this when he had COVID. You remember that? Yeah. He was like the one guy that they allowed to acknowledge he had COVID. So um, Uh this is a weird like way that we are painting this year that he had the title that it was like, oh, we were all at our weakest. And uh, Drew, Drew, it it was like, ah. Drew Drew won the Academy Award. It was a weak year for Best Actor. I, I mean, I think you could really just chalk it up as as some level of trash talk, you know, from from Priest trying to maybe continue to provoke Drew for only being champion during a pandemic years, right? But um, Roman was not there for that entire duration, right? He came back in the, what the summer, yeah, but, but he was he gone never, for the first bit of that. But year. he didn't face Drew. Did, did face him, didn't he? Didn't, didn't they do the champion champion deal at um Survivor Series? I think they did. They were still doing that during the pandemic. I'd have to double check. Man, I it's it. <laughs> I don't even remember what happened last. It month. would have been a Survivor Series. Whatever. Okay, so fine. Uh, you totally. But, but he would have lost. He would have lost to to Reigns. That would have been the uh, the point of this. Yeah, okay. Roman defeated yeah. Drew McIntyre at the Survivor Series that year. Champion right. versus champion. I'm trying. I'm I'm doing my best to try to you know uh, justify these words. It 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 enforces though Damian Priest's point here that mm-hmm. like he was uh anyway. So there you go. That's a weak champion. Bronson Reed warns Jay Uso that their paths are going to cross sooner than later. So he challenges him next week, and said both of us want to be champions this year, but only one of us can win next week. So we're getting Bronson Reed and Jay Uso on Raw. I don't know why this warranted, you know, like several weeks of videos. I mean, Jey Uso is in the back with nothing to do. He is He's icing New Day. 
Yeah, he's just like talking to, to to Xavier and saying like, "Hey, what's going on? Like, hey, you did great out there." That's about as much as we're getting from Jay. They've really dropped the ball, in my opinion, on like you know this this rumble run for Jay Uso. He to me would have been somebody that I think would have been directly like you could have told such an easy story for you know for, for his case for the rumble and wanting to go take down the tribal chief. I mean, even though none of us when they showed the graphic it. way, they didn't even include Jey Uso in the graphic of the men. Even though he's he was mentioned in promo by um somebody like Cody, I believe, like Cody yeah, mentioned I think him so. as one of the candidates to win the Rumble. So I, I, they beyond that, they just haven't had any activity or nor any story for him. So nobody can really kind of take his chances seriously this year. Chad Gable and Ivar. Gable comes out with a thank you crew towel uh, that Maxine had presented him earlier in the day when he was uh, warming up. The match begins with Gable running at Ivar with a rolling kapu kick. And already this was tremendous. And he gets caught with a spinning slam. Uh, There's a vertical by Ivar. He goes, uh, Gable goes over the top, but coming down snaps Ivar on the top rope. Ivar manages to just recover and splash him off the apron. We go through the break. There's a tiger driver by Ivar for a two count. Gable then manages a victory roll, but rolls through and applies the ankle lock, which Ivar kicks him off of, uh, drops him in the corner with a seated sent on, but Gable goes back to the ankle lock. Ivar breaks free, misses with the doom salt, and then Chad Gable hits this beautiful bridging German, like in slow motion. And man, when Ivar kicked out of this like this crowd they kind of started a little lukewarm by the time he kicked out of this they exploded for mm-hmm. this this like they I'm a real I, I very much appreciate when wrestlers go out there and it's like a really like lull to the crowd and it's just like it's Gable and Ivar you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they just have their wrestling to get over with and they did here mm-hmm. Gable counters a superplex into a German off the turnbuckle. And as Gable goes for the moonsault, Valhalla screams in Gable's face. I guess the mist is now property of Nakamura because this did not feel like a match altering moment from the barefooted freak, but it's enough to distract Gable and he's throwing off and hit with the doom salt, um, basically landing on his knee as he came down and pins Gable in 11 minutes and two seconds. So after going through all of Alpha Academy, uh, Ivar, Loss uh, beat Otis and Gable, and his loss was to Akira Tozawa. But dude, yeah. this match was awesome. I, I I thought this was so excellent. Such a great match. I I don't know why, but like I never really kind of considered the chemistry between Chad Gable and Ivar. They have excellent chemistry together. You know, their size difference I think allows Gable to um, look really impressive. I mean, you know, whether it's him lifting the bigger man or like climbing around Ivar like he's some sort of tree and like ex- executing these incredibly like fluid counters. Um, it was excellent. Like so excellent that I, I I would love to see a rematch on a bigger stage with an actual storyline. But seeing a result like this makes you continue to wonder if they have any plans for Chad Gable. Again, it nothing feel like it. Like after all that Gunther stuff, I mean, they've totally like there's not even the the passing reference that that's no. in his back pocket of some goal that has been left unachieved. It mm-hmm. I just thought this was easily the match of the show. I thought this was great. Yeah. Yeah, but but even like the bigger story here with uh, Alpha Academy and Ivar, I don't really know because what what is he going to do after this? You know, get revenge on Tozawa after this amazing match with well, Akira Tozawa still thinks he's big, and Ivar is big. 
So that's what we're building to at the end of all this. There's always no one about the win over this guy. Yeah, I I just don't really get it. And and um there's not a lot they're doing with Ivar, but he is having some great performances in the absence of so. Aaron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a trailer for Love and WWE, Bianca and Montez that premieres on Hulu February 2nd. And then we go to the big segment. Cody Rhodes comes out and is immediately followed by CM Punk. And dude, this place was electric just for these two entering the ring together. There's chance going both ways. Punk makes a makes the effort here and shakes Cody's hand at the beginning of the segment. And Punk says that we both took very different paths to get here. And I hope by Sunday, we're still friends after the Royal Rumble. And Punk says he wants to talk about your father. And he mentions in 2007 being called by Dusty when they were in OVW, when Punk was in OVW, which had to have been before 2007, but we'll give him some leeway on the, uh, on the year. But he said, my son is about to start in OVW. And can you keep an eye on him? And Punk thought at the time that Cody probably doesn't need someone to look over him, but it's it's the American dream. So you say yes when you are asked a favor from someone like him. And he was in OVW. He watched Cody from afar and saw him grow from a prelim wrestler into this main event championship level superstar. And Cody, I'm proud of you. And I feel, though, that I'm breaking a promise to your father because at the Royal Rumble, I won't be looking out for you. I'll be looking for you. And I'm going to do what I need to do to win the Rumble. So Cody says, you know, I work with lots of people here that see my father when they see me. And he mentions Michael Hayes and Triple H and Paul Heyman. But I strive to be my own man. And when I came to OVW, I had no experience. I was a nepotism hire. While you toiled on the indies for for a decade, but you treated me like a peer. And it makes this bittersweet because I know that there are no friends in the Royal Rumble. Then Punk says... Well, can we be friends after? Can you separate personal from business? I can. And I didn't see you as a nepotism hire. I saw the burden that you walked with by having that last name and trying to escape that shadow. But here you did it with flying colors. We have two different paths, but one similar goal. And then I think just this felt totally like on the spot, put him there to finish Dusty's promo uh, about uh, uh dining with kings and queens and pork and beans. And I mean, Cody, Cody finished the line. He got it right. And says to Cody that of all his accolades and working to, to this position with his background, I'm more of the American dream than you are, Cody. So, so he teed it up by saying, um, I'm, I don't have, you know, your sort of pedigree. I am the son of an electrician. And, that setup of obviously sort of the um the the contrast to um dusty being the son of a plumber and that's why cm punk is more of the american dream than than cody is i just want to pause and talk about what a great line that is from oh it was an amazing line like it's the type of line that is so deep cutting that it would shake somebody to his core i am more like your father than you are you know, um, and it's so simple. It almost makes you wonder why, like, nobody has brought this up to Cody in the past. Like, Cody continues to profess that he is, you know, carrying on his father's dream. He is like, he is at least maybe in spirit, you know, somebody who wants to f- finish the family story. But he never grew up like his father. Punk 
made an argument that he grew up more like Dusty than Cody ever did. Cody grew up the son of a celebrity. Dusty grew up the son of an electrician. So what true right does Cody actually have to finish his father's story? I, I just think it's, there's so much in such a simple line here from Punk, and it was so, so, so well conceived and so well delivered. And then you got the volley from Cody, oh. who says, I want to discuss the pipe bomb, and said that, you rattled off the formula for staging a revolution and I was inspired by you, but then you left and you really left. You didn't pass the torch on the way out. You took the torch uh, and dropped it behind and I took it and says, everyone, everything that you spoke about, I did with my actions. And that makes me more CM Punk than you. I mean, it was just oh. a tremendous back and forth here between these two. And if you remember, Cody in a roundabout way, not even roundabout, like did this promo. In, this was in, the resolution to to the AEW Dynamite promo that po- Cody initially cut about CM Punk that exactly. had no result whatsoever. Exactly. And had none of the yeah. impact that this one did because they weren't even being programmed together. It was just no. like one of Cody's like, like just bizarre into the ether, my words go type of promo that landed nowhere. And yeah. here, like I'm watching this way and I'm like, this is the WrestleMania main event to me. Like this is the match. How many times have we said that though about about these interactions? And and this is all to say that Raw specifically has been killing it with these sort of in-ring segments, you know. And we didn't even really discuss sort of like Seth and Gunther early on. That's another like legitimate WrestleMania night one headliner that you could actually foresee. This was another one. I mean, Drew, I don't know if we necessarily put him in the same sort of like, uh, you know, echelon, but like, that's another one. Do you have the rock Drew Drew and punk just had that awesome segment a few weeks ago. Like this is going to be one of those years where WrestleMania will, will be your big peak night, like business wise, they're going to have plenty in the tank for oh. your post WrestleMania picture. Like this, yeah. this could be mania next year with these two. If you play your cards, right. By then, hopefully we'll have like a million other, like, you know, potential, potentially great matchups we could build to. But like, this is the year for the WWE that we're looking at, you know, even if they don't pay these off during the rumble SummerSlam, you know, all these other pay-per-views have these incredibly intriguing programs full of like great material in story that they could build off of and and let's just again focus on maybe the specifics of this cody line you thought punk delivered like a like a killing promo cody took it and he delivered like just as strong of a comeback here he took punk's great insult and he flipped it back onto him and man it was just like again paid off finally like the the type of um sentiment and i think thought that he came up with initially in the AEW promo but he had no real kind of place to put it here he did and he inserted it in the perfect perfect spot yeah and punk ends by saying that cody you've carried the company for two years you just got the cover of the video game and then plugs that i'm sure it's gonna be on sale soon and he's and you're right about to cross the finish line. And now a bigger star who hasn't been around for a long time is coming back to take it all away. And there was like this pause where I was curious if we were going to get any like Rocky chance and they did not come. Uh, and instead punk just ended it and it's me. And um, Cody just ends it by stating that 
my oh, dad. Oh, hold on, just again focusing on, on on this portion of the promo. I feel like it's it's this was a a a, a bit of um sort of like some material that might have gone over a lot of people's heads when they're watching. I think people were so time. fixated on these two, they weren't even thinking about The Rock. But that line was yeah. so tailored for everyone to assume he was talking about the rock before you get the punchline at the end yeah it was tailored to i think show um sort of the the um the similarities between cm punk and cody rhodes and it was brilliantly done by by punk i mean the line could work in both ways you know um yeah like you you got the the um the the video game covered you're just about to cross the finish line as you were headed towards uh, wrestlemania and finishing your story but then a bigger meaner um or more established star comes in and, and takes takes it away from you and um and i'm talking about me is what cm punk said and of course that could mean uh i'm the bigger more meaner batter established star that's going to take it away from you or he could be referring to everything that i just mentioned happened to me um and man i i again like it kind of just like repositions this entire interaction as like if, as if it was like cm punk talking to a younger version of himself except this time punk is playing the role of Dwayne, and it's also the first time we're kind of hearing punk almost embrace that sort of position where he is the bigger you know more established star coming in to take a younger person's spot um and i love that i need more of that cm punk from him because it sounds more genuine Cody quotes John Wayne that courage is being scared and saddling up anyway. And I have to go through the rumble and I have to go through you on Saturday. And they just end it going nose to nose, a phenomenal, phenomenal segment. I thought this was one of the best raw segments I have seen in years. I thought this was just excellently uh, just put out there by these two. It was everything you would have wanted um, to send these two into the rumble. Like this feels like the most captivating thing on on saturday show is these two yeah it probably is um but there are a lot of other great interactions in that rumble um and and again like raw has had some really tremendous promo battles centered around this royal rumble and all the contenders that are going in um i I, but for these two this might have been the best one i i i'd give these two a standing ovation i mean how many times have you seen a segment like this and chants are loud but completely mixed you know, like yeah. people were chanting Cody, people were chanting CM Punk, and you could barely kind of make each one out because it was like a muddled, beautiful mess of e- people equally passionate about both men. Um, so they've they're just done such a great job with this Rumble build. They built another WrestleMania main event for themselves, and Cody, I think, is very much in his prime on the microphone. Punk, since he's been in the WWE, I don't think he's been near his best, but this was punk near his best if not at his best like he had great material had a lot of issues um that i think he was able to bring up from his personal history with both cody and his father and it felt real it 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 was like the smartest that i think you know we've heard cm punk in a very long time just a great segment overall phenomenal stuff money segment and then we go to a video of hulk hogan Tomorrow, Tuesday, is the 40th anniversary, the legit 40th anniversary of him beating the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden. And so you've got Hogan reflecting on Hulkamania and then going through the current stars that have a bit of Hulkamania in them. And then it just turns into him previewing the Women's Royal Rumble. Did not expect us to get a breakdown of Hulk Hogan with the Women's Rumble. And then mentions that in the Rumble, there's always the surprise entrance and mentions... You never know. I could have one more left in me. 
No, I think we can guarantee the man does not have one more left in him. And um, th- this tease just fell on deaf ears. Yeah, I don't. I mean, is it is it because of the um, the car um, saving thing that they, they decided to maybe suddenly bring him out? I mean, I guess they have the the anniversary that they they feel they, is- they're doing this whole line of merchandise for forty years of Hulkamania that they are promoting, which uh-huh. uh, did kind of pre- we're just ignoring the uh, the AWA years, uh, but yes, okay. Hulkamania was born uh, that 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 day in in WWF lore. Uh, so there you have it. Shayna Baszler is always Stark against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. We were getting late into the show. Uh, Candice managed a rope walk into a Rana, sending Stark off the apron into Baszler, setting up the break. We also had Katana Chance and Caden Carter ringside with the belts and Chelsea Green and Piper Niven watching backstage. Baszler tries for the Kurafuda. Stark makes the blind tag. So when LeRae counters by rolling on top, she does not have the legal woman down and turns into the Z360. Stark's pins her in 635. Carter and Chance hold up the belts. And they're saying, well, maybe down the road, they'll defend them against Baszler and Stark because this Friday they're facing the Kabuki Warriors who then jump the champions and Kyrie Sane and Asuka lay them out and their theme plays. And there is not a performer alive who enjoys their theme music more than Asuka. <laughs> kind of all she has, I suppose, you know, dancing. Um, these four were put into a really tough spot here, you know, having to follow Punk and, and Cody Rhodes like that. This was six and a half minutes with like a three-minute break in there. Like, it felt like it was a bit of a flex segment where they, they probably had their match cut, you know, because of the, the prior segment. And I don't think anybody's really complaining, but still, nonetheless, um, another rush job, I would say, to maybe set up another set of challengers for Chance and Carter. I think maybe Chance and Carter are certainly an improvement over Piper and, and and Chelsea because they're appearing on TV more. They're wrestling more often, but it still feels like the division is like so unimportant, you know, compared to, to the rest of the show. They're not getting meaningful stories, meaningful time to build to matches, but yeah, it is what it is. Jackie asked Drew McIntyre if he wants to react to Cody and CM Punk's words. Nope. Said they're just following in my footsteps. I already won the Rumble and the title at WrestleMania. I want to respond to Damian Priest and the negative spin he is putting on my championship run. What I achieved in 2020, I beat Goldberg. I beat Lesnar. I beat AJ Styles. It's the most proud period of my career. People told me I literally saved their lives. Priest is not there mentally yet. And everyone is just saying the same thing. And there's only one chosen one. It's me. Yeah. I mean, kind of like, again, making a lot of valid points. Like, I wouldn't classify this as any sort of heel promo at all. He's saying, hey, a lot of us did some great work during the pandemic, you know, so don't you dare dare sort of like uh, talk shit about it. Um, But Drew is the type of character that sometimes you really like and sometimes you don't. And tonight he just happened to be, you know, be very passionate about something. Maybe he's going to be on the next investors call and be like, I kept those those domestic television rights checks coming in every two weeks. We never missed a show. I'm sure he's saying that at some meeting that he's trying to have. Hey, it's contract season. Yeah. You know what? Where's our our percentage? Damage control runs into Natalia and Tegan Knox. They all argue about them coming to raw Pierce comes in and Hey, I like the fact we, we, we got a logical reason from Adam Pierce of why damage control was here, that, that Bailey was here to promote the Royal rumble and they were here to promote the tag title match on Friday. This was like a favor to Nick Aldis. And 
and and thus we uh, we get the separation here. And Natalia stating, "We will not be disrespected any longer." Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll assume that a uh, bunch of these names are in the Rumble, but uh, we, we don't have confirmation of that by the end. This of the wasn't show. to build to the Rumble. This was to build to the tech title. Well, I'm assuming they're all in the Rumble. Right, but we have no real reason to believe any of them have a chance. Pearson walks into Indusheer, him and Jinder Mahal. They want to talk about their plans for the Rumble. So he says, okay, meet me in my office. And that's the last we heard of this. So going late into the night negotiating. Another Rumble. And, and Jinder took credit for injuring Rollins. Yes, yes. And being the most talked about star of the year. Another Rumble numbers video. And so the graphic, we have Punk, Cody, Nakamura, Gunther, Priest, Lashley, and Drew announced for the men's match. And the women, Nia Jax, Becky, Bianca, and Bailey. All right. Tune in Saturday to find out the uh, the missing pieces. And next Monday on Raw, Balor and Priest against DIY for the tag titles, Gunther against Kofi Kingston for the IC title, and Jay Uso against Bronson Reed, finally. All right. Mm-hmm. The post-Royal Rumble Raw. Could be a big one. Damian Priest, Drew McIntyre is the main event. Um, Drew's head gets driven into the post, and then Priest drops him onto the table with a broken arrow, which was the only thing that was broken because the table wasn't. They go through the commercial. Priest sidesteps a Claymore, and then an elevated flatliner connects. Drew with the Glasgow kiss, and then Priest launches himself. First, he uh, spins into the broken arrow for a two count. He then sends Drew to the floor, and Priest jumps over the top rope and somersaults down onto drew this was like a an airplane coming down on a man's head that's what this looked like this um sort of had some of that um i mean i would this qualify as a meat match um i guess so it uh looked like a match that maybe hurt uh, in, in it, some, it, in they were hitting very hard. I mean, it felt very much, I think, of the sort of like, you know, Drew um, Sheamus type of uh, caliber of matches. Well, after nailing Drew, R-Truth appears with the cash and Damien's annoyed and he shoves Truth and he gets booed for this. So Truth grabs his money in the bank briefcase and he's yelling at Priest, what's your password? It's very smart. To, how many guys have put like locks on their money in the bank briefcase? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't looked close enough. Yeah. All I all I want to know is this continuity though. When this guy cashes in and he hands this briefcase over to the referee, <laughs> someone well, they're better not, be dialing up that combination. Okay. Uh, they're not opening the briefcase. What when, if it's not there? If I don't just think they his word for it. Then why does he have to carry this around everywhere? Um, uh, because this everywhere. It's assumed that the the contract is in the briefcase. Um, can't we just assume he won the match that we all saw and we can just understand that he can just come down and just say ring the bell no okay no so truth grabs the briefcase um still has it the the claymore is set up but truth gets onto the apron and he's yelling for the password so drew nails truth and then damien manages the south of heaven but truth has come into the ring and the money has flown all over the place drew drew is furious and knocks Truth out of the ring and then turns in and is hit with the Claymore as Drew pins him in 13 minutes and 22 seconds. So R-Truth uh, thwarted Damian Priest's plan to beat the uh, the paper champion of the pandemic. Mm, yes, using paper. It, using using paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a very hard-hitting match. Um, to me, it did feel a little bit rushed this deep into the show. 
I don't think it, it, it was really like the big memorable encounter you might have expected from these two, um, given maybe how long they've been kind of brewing their, their little feud. Uh, the silliness from Truth probably contributed to that as well. But it was a fine little TV match. I, I do think they could have been there. There's definitely a better match with these two in there somewhere. I agree. I, I thought it was just for, for your closing segment. It just it, it left. Uh, it was a bit lacking. For me, I just mm. the R Truth stuff works. I don't think it worked in this kind of a doesn't work in the main event, like of a heavily promoted match. In my yeah, opinion. and I thought it came off a little flat too. It was just um, you know you it, it was a come down after the big segment earlier with with Cody and Punk. So there you go. That that was raw. I mean highlights again the uh, the Punk Road segment and mm. Ivar and Chad Gable definitely check that out. Like the Rollins segment, I mean it was very yep. you know they started off with like a big newsworthy segment and Gunther Gunther was great in that in that promo with he Seth was as well. Like think mm-hmm. about a time a year or two ago when the idea of him being in that type of a prominent position talking um you know he's you know he's ready for the, established himself he's re- ready for like a, a main event level run you know this was him flirting with it tonight and and i definitely think he's more than ready for it i almost wonder if like they would carry over the ic title undefeated streak into his world title run and just promote him as like this undefeated champion you know which would it even raise the st- the stock of, of the world championship that much more when you have somebody who's never been beaten ever holding it right so yeah uh he's doing great i i would say i'm a little bit i'm, I'm disappointed in like any of like the women's um segments from tonight's show i didn't think even the becky nice was all that great um the tag title division continues to feel like it's just just there for the sake of being there um, and, the and you're just rumble. contrasting it to how well the men's match has been built up and the women's match. Like it's, it's really the Becky story. Like I wouldn't say like they have like Bailey's got a story. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say it's this like red hot um, issue that you have, but, but that's the bare minimum, right? John, like you have two WrestleMania title matches for the women and yeah. you're probably talking about the two people that are going to be involved in those stories. Yeah. Where does that leave everybody else? Yeah, I, I I think I think it's it, it was lacking uh, overall. But there uh, you go. We, yep, and and we have of course a lot of super chats here. Thank you everybody for your support at youtubecom slash wrestling. We go live after every WWE Raw, after every AEW Dynamite, <laughs> and after every WWE SmackDown on Fridays in the Post Wrestling Cafe exclusively. But you can Hit jump that the line. subscribe button, everyone. That's all we ask. That's right. Yeah. You can jump the line in our feedback section if you send a super chat. And we first go to Rory, who sends $8 Australian to say, to start off, John, you are the most professional and the best to do this. I am a Pollock guy. I'm sorry that Deadbeat did that to you. Thanks for what you do. Uh, well, well, thank you for the super chat. We, we, we appreciate it. I'm, uh, I appreciate the compliment. All right. Thank you, Rory. Let's go to Andy, who sends 200 rupees to say, John Away, you guys have always conducted yourselves with integrity, objectivity, and professionalism. Keep up the great work. Always happy to support your content. Thank you, Andy. Great edition of Postmarks featuring Andy B. Yes. this past week. I've learned a lot about Andy uh, and a very, very knowledgeable and very interesting person. So thank you, Andy, for all your contributions. Uh, let's go to her niece, who sends $5. Uh Okay, he says, free speech, funny thing, since I believe the UFC took out part of uh, Hamzat Chemaev's post-fight speech when showing it online, that was pro-Palestine. Yeah, that was, you know, something that people have uh, pointed to as well. Again, I just think that you you say such a unilateral statement that, like, there will come a time, I feel confident that that 
clip will, you know, look uh, like th- there will just there will come a time that there is an issue where they have to um, confront this in the future. And like, I don't mean to be like, uh, like overly dramatic here, but I mean, like, where is it when, you know, a, a fighter that 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 shows up with like some like racist language or, you know, wants to like if like where th- there's a line somewhere. Of course and, there is. Yeah. And that's essentially what I that was the the attempt to, to get to. But it's it's a larger thing. Free I think, speech like, is the type of term that you say that'll immediately rally the troops behind you 100%. as your defense. So yes. you're not seeing a lot of people that are defending this by quoting Sean Strickland or using that language. But when you wrap it up in this in this nice gift wrap called free speech it's way more exportable to just it, it becomes a cause and it's a, a lot easier exactly yes yeah. joycey says thank you john you will always be our leash boy oh, thank okay. you Adam. hansi sends 279 to say props to you pollock thank you hansi jake from the windy city sends five dollars to say cody and punk tremendous promo with the slow build and it reached a peak sorry if it's been addressed but no pollock and hawani show this year um, it has been addressed. Yeah, I think I think it was. Uh, I think I think it was addressed. I don't yeah, remember. You, you did address it. You you said uh, no time. It's been a busy. It's it's been a busy month uh, overall. But um, thank you, Jake. I know it's a popular show um, that we do. All right. Okay. We got a grunt talk saints who sends $5 to say I was in the arena tonight and the pop for new day was the loudest of the night. The new look and edge are electric. Well, that's good to hear. I hope they keep it up. Dickie bird sends $8 Australian to say, I found the reaction to your question today. Not really offensive. Some people are into leashes. Hashtag stop kink shaming. Thank you, Dickie for weighing in. We appreciate it. We don't judge at all. Gareth sends $2 to say, John, you are the best. Okay, guys, I, I I can't take all these. Like, I, I'm fine for like. Do you want me to read you some insults? Like, I, I we, we can go into insults if you want to balance this yeah. out. I, I just have to open up my Instagram feed. I, I can get if they here. if they buy a super chat, I'll read anything. Okay, well, the, these people didn't give me any of I'm that uh, that permission. So okay, all right, thank you everybody, very kind. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where our patrons can leave feedback to all of our shows uh, anytime they want. So, want to start Let's us off, John? Let's go to Manny from Pacoima. I see good old Triple H saw that Conan welcomed back Del Rio back to Triple A with open arms and said, I can do that too, and brought in the old ketchup and mustard man. Gable and Ivar had an outstanding match, which was unfortunately kind of ruined by the interference. The Punk Cody promo was fantastic and had me begging for a match between the two. The Imperium New Day feud continues to intensify. I wonder if they go the street fight route or a two out of three falls. Overall, the raw side of the Rumble has really done an outstanding job of selling me on the match this year. Shout out to to the post-wrestling poster of social media for acknowledging Tom Mysterio as a Lucha legend and Michael Cole shouting out Paraguayo, whom stable logo is now being used uh, by the Garzas. Lucha things. Manny concludes. Interesting. Yes. All right. Thank you very much for that, Manny. Let's go up next to Annie Rude, who says, The 90-minute cut of Raw continues to be the best show in wrestling. The core stories and built to the rumble are narratively rich with fleshed-out characters that I enjoy. I initially liked the idea of using the R-Truth subplot to juxtapose Reese's character development from the rest of the Judgment Day, but I wasn't a fan of him getting involved in the match. A couple more interference finishes than I would have liked, but a very good show nonetheless. Nine Scott Putzke award-winning Randy Orton's out of ten. Okay, we go to Muggin. 
who writes in the Cody Punk segment made me want the Rumble to happen tomorrow, but I can't fast forward five days. I thought about Cody's last AEW promo about Punk's infamous pipe bomb, and that's when it clicked for me when he was in the ring with him. It's a two-horse race between them. As long as Rollins' health improves over the next couple of months, Punk will be headlining night one. As for who wins the Rumble, I'm going to say there's no such thing as a dead end. There's no winner during this promo. It was a tie. Something has to give. The Rollins-Gunther promo gives me some hope that he won't be skipping WrestleMania, provided that he gets his health in order. I think that that was they might continue to play play with like the you know like possibility that he might not be able to make it um but i don't think they would cut like have him cut the promo he cut tonight unless he they were confident that he could make it um let's go to theon finally from trinidad who says i love the back and forth between punk and cody due to the fact that they both had good material for each well in the past when superstars are on the mic with somebody like cena the they're told beforehand that they can't say certain things to Cena. Essentially, to ensure Cena destroys them on the mic. Ooh, how times have changed. By the way, my first feedback since the first SmackDown in front of a live card in 2021. Uh, have you heard that? Like, is there actual sort of evidence of something like that happening with um, Cena? Promos? I have not heard that, but if um, any any past uh, performers have uh, hmm. have shared that, I'm not aware. Right. Um, but but there you have it, everybody. Um, Thanks for the feedback. Thank you for the super chats as well. Uh, big week coming up here at Post Wrestling. Of course, we will have lots of coverage of Royal Rumble coming up on Saturday night. We'll be live here minutes after the Rumble concludes to uh, take your phone calls, chat about the show, all that great stuff. And uh, and maybe uh, maybe someone joining us that will be in attendance at the Royal Rumble as well. So lots hmm. coming up again. We have a, you cannot kill David Arquette. That review will be out on Thursday. And then Pollock and Thurston with Dave Meltzer is coming up on Wednesday, but all roads lead to the wellness policy on Tuesday, three Eastern waiting Neil Flanagan and Jordan Goodman are going to be chatting about faith. Faith. Yes. It's a, a, a conversation Jordan wanted to have. And uh, yeah, I'm looking very much forward to it. 3 PM Eastern time, youtube.com slash post wrestling. Yes, and I have plenty in humanity uh, to spare. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. That is it for Rewind to Raw. We'll speak with you later this week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.